Today, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of our influence. The influence that you have on the people in your life and the world around you and our influence. Paul wrote a letter to the Philippians and in that letter he talks about what happens to people when we invite Christ into our life. Paul says that when we invite Christ into our life, our lives begin to overflow with love and grace and joy and peace and light. And in this section in chapter 2, beginning at verse 12 through 18, Paul is talking about the role that we play in the world. That is, Christ's people, as Christ's followers, were called to shine like bright stars in the world. In my Bible, on the heading uh, before this section, it says, shine brightly for Christ. Some translations say, shine like bright stars. Um, you might also translate it to say, get your shine on. If you back up in chapter 2, Paul says here, don't remember Jesus, resemble Jesus. He says, we're not called to remember him, but called to be like him. And then he describes who Jesus is. He says that Jesus is, is the example of true humility. That Jesus was holy. That Jesus was a servant. That Jesus was hungry and lived in the presence of God. And he said that we are to be like him, that we, we are to... to seek to be like Jesus. And in this section, he turns toward the church and says, be like Jesus and shine in a dark world. Shine in a world of confusion. Shine in a world of fear. Be my people. Let Christ influence, influence the world around you. Here's what he says. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now, he does not say here, uh, work for your salvation, because salvation is a gift. He's saying, let your salvation show in how you live. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I'm going to read this next section twice for obvious reasons. Do everything without complaining and arguing. What is everything? <laughs> everything. Is that a challenge? Do everything without complaining and arguing. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day that Christ returns, I will be proud of that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you 
to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. This is God's word for God's people and God's people did say amen. amen. We could talk this morning about who is um, the greatest basketball coach to ever coach the game. And I know I would win the argument. John Wooden. It's going to be hard for anybody to ever surpass his influence on the world and his championships. John Wooden was a legendary basketball coach at UCLA. He won 10 national titles, and he won seven of them consecutively. When he retired in 1975, he'd won 620 games and had 147 losses. And when he retired from being a coach, he probably had even more influence after his retirement because of his influence on the matter and the subject of leadership. He wrote several books about being a leader. John Wooden never really considered himself a coach. He wasn't concerned about winning. Instead, he was concerned about his influence. And he considered himself a teacher. And if you read anything that Wooden ever wrote about his life, about how he was such a great example and who he became as a man, as a coach, and as a teacher, he said there was one person in his life who had a great influence on his life. It was his father, his dad, Joshua Wooden. Joshua Wooden lived in Indiana with his, his sons, and he was a farmer. And Wooden said that the power of his dad's influence was that he authenticated with his life what he taught his sons. In other words, he lived what he taught, and he taught what he lived, and his values and his actions were together, and that's how he influenced his children. He said that his dad gave him two sets of threes to live by. The first dealt with honesty. Never lie. Never cheat. Never steal. And the second set of threes he taught his sons was uh, about adversity, how to deal with adversity. When you face adversity, don't whine, don't complain, and don't make excuses. And Wooden said, my dad lived by these teachings. His dad lost the family farm and a set of tragic experience, things that happened. But he said his dad handled with courage and boldness and faith, never complained, never made excuses, and didn't blame other people. When Wooden graduated from the eighth grade, he gave his son a, a little card. And on the card, he had written some powerful words. Seven things you must do to have a successful life. Gave it to John Wooden and said, live by these rules. This is what it said. It said, number one, be true to yourself. Help others. Make each day a masterpiece. Drink deeply from good books, especially the Bible. Make friendship a fine art. Build a shelter against a rainy day. And then finally, the seventh one was... Pray for guidance daily from God and give thanks for your blessings in your life. Wooden lived to be, I believe, 99 years of age. And when they cleaned out his wallet at the end of his life, you know what they found? That card from his dad. He said his entire life he carried that card that his dad gave him because his dad was the greatest single influence on his life. So let me ask you this question this morning. 
Who's been a significant influence in your life? Who's been the most significant influence in your life? And what role did they play in your life? Now, now sometimes, sometimes our influences are positive and negative, right? Not all influences are good influences. That's a part of it. And sometimes influences are bad and good. It's a mixture of all those things. I just want to say to you, one of the things that I see in life, true for me, true for many others, is that sometimes we let the negative influences dominate our life and we spend the rest of our lives, right, responding and reacting to the negative influences. At some point, if you want to be a positive influence, you've got to let go of the negative influences and begin to focus on the more positive things in your life and be the person that you were created to be and let go of that sorrow from your past. I've thought about this question myself. I've had a lot of people who've influenced my life in a very positive way. And one that I've never shared with you is one of the most influential figures in my life, and that was my Granny Jane. My grandmother Jane, Granny Jane, was married to Jack. Jack and Jane Emery. And my grandfather, Jack, owned a FINA gas station. And it was a great thing to have a grandpa who owned a gas station. I would go down as a little boy and go down to the gas station. He'd give me bubble gum and put me on the lift inside the service bay and let me ride up and down the lift. It was a great place to go. My grandmother, though, was the real moral leader of our family. Christmas was around her life. We would sing, she played the piano, we sang Christmas carols. And she was the one that got my dad up on Sunday mornings and took her to Boulevard Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Fort Worth, Texas. The reason my daddy took me to church is because his mother took him to church. One day my grandfather went to work at the FINA station. He was sitting in a chair out in front of the station and he bent down to tie his shoes and never stood back up. In his early 60s, my grandfather passed away and left behind uh, my grandmother and her three children, my dad, Pat, my Uncle Tommy, and my Aunt Susie. That was a huge influence on my life. I saw how my grandmother responded to the loss of her husband and then my grandfather. She was sad. She grieved. She went through a period of real loss. Then one day, things started getting a little different for her. She showed up wearing Western clothes. She got a cowboy hat. (laughs) She learned how to ride a horse. She joined a stable and got a whole new set of friends and got this whole new life. Life wasn't over for her with her loss. She went on and lived her life. And she remarried again. And I remember just seeing the joy in her. I, it was so influential on me. And then one of the most important weeks of my own life was uh, between my junior and senior year of high school, I heard the calling of Jesus Christ to be a minister. And that very same week was the week that my grandmother, Granny Jane, passed away. She never met my wife. She never met my children. And never knew that I was ordained, be ordained to the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. But when I preach and when I serve, I remember her. I remember the hymns we sang. I remember the faith I learned from her and how to go on and live your life. 
Who have been the most influential people in your life? Well, we all have a lot of influential people in our life. And there's one person that Paul wants to recommend to you. If you read, if you read again and again through his letters, if you read through Philippians, Paul talks about the influence that Christ has on our life. What greater influence could there be in our life than the person, the person of Jesus? And in this letter, he doesn't ask it directly, but it's underneath the words in the text, is what kind of influence has Christ had on your life? When he says, work out your salvation, work out your salvation, what he's saying is, let the world see how it is that Christ has influenced you. Let people see his influence in the way that you live. How do we measure his influence in our daily lives? We measure his influence in the way that we interact with others. His influence is measured in the way that we talk to others. Uh, his influence is measured in how we spend our time. His influence is measured in the way that we spend our money. His influence on our life is measured by how we treat people and care for people that he loved, people living in difficult circumstances. His influence is stress learned by the way that we deal with adversity. Now, I'm really asking the wrong person. I'm asking you, how has Christ influenced your life? I shouldn't be asking you. I should be asking your husband or your wife or your children, the people who are closest to you. Because I'm not sure I'm a fair judge of, of his influence in my life, but my wife is. She sees me for who I really am. And I guess the good question, I'm not asking this to make you feel bad. I'm just, let's just look at it honestly and say, what would the people around you say, do they see visible evidence of Christ in your life? You know what the Lego test is? You don't know the Lego test? You have children, anybody here have children? The Lego test is where you show your real character. It's when you get up in the middle of the night and you're walking barefoot through the kitchen to get a glass of water and you step on the Lego. That reveals your character. Or it's the, we have a new puppy in our house and you wake up in the middle of the night and you step your foot into a brown pile of warm, gushy goo. Then we find out who you really are. That's a fun tongue-in-cheek way to say, if you really want to know uh, the influence that Christ has had on your life, it's stress, trouble, failure, conflict, difficulty, hardship, suffering. Those are the things that reveal his influence. So why does this matter? Because everyone has influence. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter what job you have. If you ever interact with other people, if you ever come into contact with other people, you have influence. And you get to decide what kind of influence you want to have on people. It's your choice. It's your decision who you will be, how you show up in your home, how you show up on your job. You get to decide what kind of influence you want to be great book I read some time ago, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I'm writing my own book. It's called How Not to Win Friends and Influence People. I made a list of five things of how not to make friends, and I'm good at all five. 
The first is to grumble and complain about everything, okay? Invite a friend out to dinner after work, and when you get to the restaurant, the minute you sit down, start complaining about your boss, and throw in your wife, throw in your kids, throw in all that, and just don't stop complaining and grumbling till the person you're having dinner with is just as miserable as you are. That's how to make friends. The other is to walk around with a big frown in your face, mad and ticked off all the time with a sour expression and never smile. Now that's a good way to win friends and influence people. The other is, which I have perfected, is don't be a good listener. Don't listen to people. When they start talking to you, immediately start thinking about what you want to say because you know that what you're thinking and you want to reply is more important than anything they have to say, right? And before they finish speaking, interrupt them and tell them what's so important that you didn't listen to them about, right? The fourth is don't show any interest in other people's hobbies or their lives. If you're a runner and they're in the martial arts, just talk about running all the time. Never talk about martial arts or golf. Don't show any interest in other people's lives. Just talk about the stuff you love all the time, and they'll love you for it. But number five on the list is, see, every person has positive and negative traits, right? And the truth is most people, if you look hard enough, have more positive traits than negative traits. But what you should do to really not make friends and be a bad influence is to focus on the one negative thing in their life. Just, just harp on it. Just, just, why don't you ever pick up your socks? Just on and on and on about that one thing. They made five A's and one C. Focus on the C. Or like in my house, my wife makes a great meal, pork chops, green beans, and black beans. And I ask her as she sets the meal on the table, why didn't you drain the juice out of the beans? That's all you ever do is talk about the juice and the beans <laughs> instead of the pork chop. Is this getting real, folks? Yeah, come on now, I'm preaching. See, the question is, it's not a question. It's not a question of do you have influence. It's a question of what kind of influence do you want to have. And so Paul then, Paul gives us five ways that we can shine like a positive influence, be a positive influence. Five ways that we can shine like stars. Now this counter, this is, this is how you do it. The first thing he says in this text is it's the power of encouragement. Be an encourager. He, he says here to them, I see God in you. God is working in you. All through that letter, you hear him giving them challenges. Before he challenges, though, he compliments them. I see God at work in you. I see the good in you. I know you're struggling here, but I see something good happening in you. The second thing is, it's just the power of being positive. Don't grumble. Don't complain. Let me ask you, do the people in your life consider you to be positive or negative? Do you have a positive mental framework? Do you speak positively to others, to the people at work where you live and with your family? The, the, the third is the power of your moral example. Just like John Wooden's dad, he says here, Live your life with high moral standards. Live with excellence. Live 
in the best way that you can. Set the best positive moral example. And then he says, be joyful. He said, let people see your joy. He says, I am chained to a Roman guard, yet I am filled with joy because Christ is in me. Show your joy. And then finally, he says, serve others. My life is being poured out in service. Pour your life out in service. That's how you shine like a star. That's how you work at your salvation. That's how you live a life like Christ. Being an encourager. Being positive. uh, Being a good moral example. Letting your joy be shown in Christ. Serving and helping others. And why does it matter? Because there is no light in our world if you don't shine. I look around at the world and I wonder, where are the adults in the world? Right? I look at the world and I see darkness. I see sadness. I see fear. I see people coming apart. I see polarization. I see hate. And we are called to be people of light. We're called to be the ones who bring goodness and truth. We're called to work together, to to focus our energy, to let Christ in so that out of us flows love and goodness and hope and peace. We are his people. That's why it's important to ask, what's his influence in our life? Why does this matter? It matters because you have influence. It matters because we live in a dark world. Why does it matter? Because God is going to place you and will place you in situations so that you can exercise your influence every day, on your job, in your neighborhood, in your home, in your family, among your friends. You see, we keep looking around and waiting for God to do something, and he's done something. He chose you. He planted you. We live in Philippi, called to be his people, called to be his light. Now I realize that some of us have regrets, huh? Any regrets about the influence? that? If you're a parent, let's just look, if you're a parent, you're not just a good influence, you're a negative, you're, you're both, right? Negative influence positive influence. Hopefully you got more positive influence than negative influence in the life of your children. You know, hopefully the the positive outweighs the negative. And and if you're truthful like me, you look back at your life and I could have been a better, I could have been a better influence or I could be a better influence now. Let me point out to you, if you're concerned about the influence that you're having in the world and you've been bringing a negative influence, I want to tell you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past because the past is the past. And in Jesus Christ, you're a new person. You're a new creation. If Paul, the persecutor, can become Paul, the proclaimer, if Paul, the hater, can become Paul, the lover, You can become a positive influence. It's never too late to change. I'm going to use a good old preacher word. It's called sanctification. You know what sanctification means? Sanctification is what happens when you let Jesus in. And over a long period of time, the ark bends toward good. Eugene Peterson calls it long obedience in the same direction. He means 
You just keep getting up every day and giving your life to Jesus and just trust that over time, because he's at work in you, he's going to bend you and toward the light and bend you in his direction. Why is this important? It's important because everyone has influence. It's important because God is waiting for his people to get their shine on. 